Welcome to another Macquarie Life Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. Welcome to another Macquarie Life Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. So good to be at my second most favourite church. I used to say my favourite, but it has changed. If it slipped to number two, is that okay? Will you still accept me if I tell you my second most favourite group of people? Um, thank you, Roz, for having me. Thank you, Mark, for having me. Always an honour to come and share in this house. And um, also with my Hawaiian brother, Lucas. Yeah. Hawaiian, Samoan, American, Australian. Some sort of mixture there. Um, but yeah, great. one of our great leaders in our church, leads our creative team, phenomenally gifted, just a real blessing to Amy and I. So awesome to have you with us as well tonight. And I'm going to get straight into this because I am on a time limit and I have a problem with sticking to time. So I'm going to get straight into tonight's word if that's okay. So turn with me to Jeremiah 18 verse 1. It was where we're going to be as I kick off your series. And although my title or what I'm talking about may not feel like it fits your series, I promise I'll tie it together somehow, okay? So let's, uh, yeah, let's read together. Jeremiah 18 verse 1. The Lord gave another message to Jeremiah. He said, go down to the potter's shop and I'll speak to you there. So I did as he told me. It's always good to do what God tells you to do in life. Just stop there. It's always just good to do what he says to do. Um, so I went down and did as I was told, and I found the potter working at his will. You know this verse, but I, I want to I look at this passage tonight in a way perhaps you haven't thought about it before. So don't switch off on me, okay? So he goes down to the potter's house, and there he finds the potter working at the will, but the jar he was making did not turn out as he had hoped. So he crushed it into a lump of clay, and he started over. That is the gospel message, actually, right there in that one verse. Then the Lord gave me this message, O Israel, cannot not do to you as the potter has done to this clay, as the clay is in the potter's hands, so are you in my hand. My message tonight is called The Potter's Hands. The potter's hands. Um, in this passage, God is speaking to the prophet Jeremiah about what he is doing with the nation of Israel. He is using a metaphor to describe what God is doing with a specific nation. And he is literally teaching and explaining that they are like clay in his hands and he is shaping them and molding them and creating them and transforming them to become the people of God of which he'd always created them to be. And we are the same. You are all in a process tonight being shaped by the potter's hands. If you've given your life to God, you have said yes to a life of transformation. You have said that. And of all the relational metaphors in the Bible, you know, because you know the Bible's full of relational metaphors that describe our relationship with God. I don't have time to go through them all, but there are so many relational metaphors. And depending on what season of life you're in, there'll be a certain metaphor that you will connect to and relate more to perhaps in this season than another. But every relational metaphor that the Bible describes helps us understand a truth about the way God relates to us and the way humankind or mankind relates to God. This one, out of all the relational metaphors, I think intrigues me the most. Out of all the relational metaphors. And the reason it intrigues me is that it teaches something really important about destiny. It really teaches us something important about destiny. It actually teaches us that your destiny in life is as much about who you are becoming as it is about where you are going. Destiny is actually more person than place. It's more person than place. Um, in 2004, as a young Bible college student, I've shared this many times, but um, I keep coming back to this thought. God spoke to me on Redhead Beach walking the dog, which of why I, I'm trying to get a... By the way, I'm trying to convince my wife to get a dog. 
my, my oldest daughter and I really want a dog, and my wife and my youngest daughter don't want a dog, so we are split. It's mutiny in the house. And the revelation I'm about to share happened while I was walking the dog. So I'm trying to convince my wife that when you get a dog, you get revelation. It's, it's, it's not actually working. But anyway, I'm walking the dog on Redhead Beach, and he says to me, Brad, I'm not just taking you, I'm making you. I'm not just taking you somewhere, I'm making you somebody. This is important because God is far more interested in who you are becoming than what you do. I hope you know that. He, he is far more interested in that. In fact, he's, he, he, he cares more about the person you are than whatever you do in life. So you're successful in your career, great. But what kind of person are you becoming? Um, so God blessed you financially. But did you become a more generous person in the process? So, so you got the job. You bought the house. You married the dream girl. But did it make you a more thankful person? That's the way God looks at it. That's the way God looks at it anyway. Um, Jesus said, come follow me and I will make you. Fishers of men, I'll, I'll make you. That word make in the original language is really cool. It describes a, a, a baker who takes a lump of dough and molds it and shapes it into the dough, into the shape that they want. That's the word make. So Jesus says, when I, when I come into your life, I'm going to make you something great. I'm going to transform you. I'm going to do something incredible in your life. He doesn't say, come follow me and I'll give you. Well, how many know God gives us things? He gives us. He does give us things because he's graceful and he's amazing. But um, God says, come follow me and I'll make you. I'll make you something great. Um, I want to say up front, following Jesus is not like social media that says, hey, follow me and I'll follow you back. Because a lot of people treat God like it's a transactional relationship. You do this or I do this and you do this. Uh, Tonight I gave the offering, so therefore God, you have to bless me. And he probably will. But that's not what relationship with God is about God it's about relationship walk with God is relational not transactional so Jesus says come follow me and I'll make you I'll change you I'll transform you and every person in this room tonight sitting under the sound of my voice has has a destiny on the potter's wheel you have a destiny that includes being placed on the on the potter's wheel in fact clay was never designed to stay a lump not saying that any of you are lumps But each and every one of you have a destiny to become something useful because a vessel is something that carries and holds something. You have a purpose. God doesn't just leave you the way you are. Um, By following Jesus, you are saying yes to a constant life of transformation. And in fact, let me suggest this to you. If you're not changing, are you really following Jesus? Just let that sit there. It's transformation. It's change. And so one of the dangers of this passage from what I can see anyway, as I considered this, um, and when I did this message in my church, I did this over a whole series. But for me, for me, one of the dangers of this particular passage and interpreting it is to assume that because God is sovereign and you're just the clay in his hands and God's the potter, he's just going to do what he wants and God's just going to take your life and, and it's just all up to him anyway and I don't have any part in the process and so life is just happening because God is in control and um, we'll just throw everything in the God is sovereign basket and whatever happens, happens and I'll just become whatever God created me to be. But in fact, that's actually not what the Bible says because you have a free will. To become the person God wants you to be, you have responsibility to cooperate with the one who is actually changing you and creating you. Um, The sovereignty of the potter doesn't negate the responsibility of the clay. I'll say that again. The sovereignty of the potter does not negate the responsibility of the clay in the hands of God because you and I are just lifeless dust. You're not just lifeless dust. No, no, we're living clay. 
with the ability to choose God or reject God. And that's why I love what Donna said, choice tonight and Roz in the word. You have the choice tonight whether you want to go on the process with God or not. It's up to you. God won't force you. He won't um, force you to do it. You can choose to cooperate with God or resist God in your life. And so I just want to spend, if it's okay with you, the remainder of my time looking at what is our responsibility as the clay in the hands of the potter. Is that okay? What's our part in this whole metaphor of God and the potter and the clay? What is our responsibility? And um, these three points that I have tonight actually come from what an actual, by the way, any pottery makers in the room, any actual ceramic makers, I am so thankful because if I get any example wrong, you are not going to correct me after church at the end of the auditorium. But these points I'm going to share with you are actual things that a potter would say in a natural sense. So I'm going to give you three points. Your responsibility, and I promise it'll tie into the series. Just wait. Um, So the first thing that Potter would say to the clay is they would say, stay tender. Stay tender. Stay soft. Every potter, every ceramic maker knows they've got to start with soft clay. They have to start with tender clay. If you watch a potter putting a lump of clay on the wheel, the the potter begins to pour. Have you noticed this? As the wheel spins, they begin to pour water on on, on the clay to keep it soft and keep it tender because if it's not soft and tender, they can't shape it and form it. If it becomes dry and brittle, it becomes unable to be shaped. If the clay is too hard or it's too dry, God really can't, sorry, the potter can't actually do anything with the clay. And I want to say right up front, I know this is basic, but if you and I want to be everything that God has called us to be, you must stay soft and you must stay tender. You have to be soft clay in the hands of God because life will easily callous you. Life will do it to you. You know how it says in Proverbs 4.23, it says, above all else, guard your heart. Guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. That, that word guard is the Hebrew word natsah. It, it, it's not like protect your heart. I used to always think it's just like protect your heart. And th- there's an element that's true in that. But actually that word natsah is more, more translated as tend your heart. Tend your heart like a garden attending the soil. Watch over the condition of your heart. Tend your heart. Monitor your heart because every issue of life flows from the heart. And so we have to keep our heart soft because you have to stay intentional about softness because hardness is automatic. Actually, hardness of heart is natural and normal. Go watch all the reality TV shows right now and see how many hard people that are on there. I was going to talk about Married at First Sight, but my wife said, you cannot mention Married at First Sight in any context. We're watching at the moment. Have you noticed that the lips are getting bigger? (laughs) And the teeth are getting whiter? Anyway, get off Married at First Sight. I've got the replay on when I go home. Um, But hardness of heart is a problem because it is a built-up protection mechanism against, against disappointment, against tragedy, against disappointment, against pain, against disillusionment. And every one of you in this room have had that. But once your heart becomes calloused and hard, it becomes very hard for the potter to shape you and mold you and create you. Stay soft. Let me tell you how to stay soft. This, this is important. You have to learn the art of keeping a soft heart and a thick skin. A soft heart and thick skin. Too many times it's the other way around. We often have a hard heart and soft skin. Let me just quickly show you. People with a soft skin and thick hearts are people who with soft skin are porous. Everything seeps through. Every word, every comment, everything just gets straight through, straight in. Some people are just too porous. Everything seeps through and then they become internally hardened. But people with a thick skin and soft hearts have, watch this, strong external boundaries with toxic people. They, they allow criticism and harsh words to bounce off 
and not to penetrate. How many of you know if you're a pastor, you better learn that real quick. They forgive quickly. They still experience disappointments and setbacks, but they don't allow it to penetrate and change their heart and harden their heart. And the thicker your skin is, the softer your heart can be. In fact, Jesus had skin thick enough to willingly walk into an undeserved crucifixion, but a soft enough heart to be on the cross saying, Father, forgive them for they know what they do. Perfect example of a thick skin, soft heart, right? Is this helping you, church? All right, the second thing the potter would say to the... This is my favorite point out of all of it, just so you know, all right? Um, Because it's the toughest point. The second thing the potter would say to the clay is they would say, stay centered. Stay centered. Um, The next thing the potter does once they get the soft clay is they put the lump of the clay right in the middle, the middle of the wheel. It has to be right in the middle of the wheel because for the potter to shape the clay, it has to stay centered because that's where they, what they call cone the clay. You see their hands? And it has to stay in the middle. If the clay moves too far to the left or too far to the right, the, the clay becomes marred and the process has to start all over again. Yes, this is about the importance of being centered in Jesus. You all thought I was going to say that. But it's actually more about simply remaining on the wheel. It's actually more about simply remaining in position with where God has you for this current season for what he does because sometimes, sometimes being centered is the easy thing. Sometimes it's remaining and staying is the hard thing. You know, back when I was a new Christian, back in my day, going used to be the harder command for Christians. But I think in 2020, it's not going, it's staying. Staying is the harder command for Christians today because it's the temptation every time something happens in your life or happens in church that you don't like, I'm just going to get off the wheel. I'm out of this. I'm just going to get off the process. It's time to get off the wheel. Um, Staying is hard and every time you go through something that feels unfair or you don't agree with, off we go. I'm off the wheel. I'm not going to stay where it has. And, you know, when Amy and I felt the call to leave Newcastle, and come to the Central Coast. Um, it was difficult, really hard to leave, leave, leave you and leave this church and leave the people that we love and leave our family and leave everything that we knew it was hard. But you know, it was not as hard as another season I went through where we were actually called to stay. <laughs> Going was easier than staying. And I went through a long season in church life where I'm just going to be brutally honest with you, where I became just so disillusioned. I became so discouraged. It felt like there was no vision for my future. I went through what you call a wilderness season in my life. I'm just going to, it's going to feel I, 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 me, me, me. So just bear with me. I felt like I wasn't seen or valued. Felt like I was overlooked for opportunities in favor of other people. I'm just telling you straight up, for nearly two years, I didn't use my, my gifting or what I felt like I was gifted to do. I felt confused. I felt isolated. It felt so unfair. I was so tempted to leave Macquarie where I might go somewhere they might recognize my gifts. But like Shannon Oll on steroids going, what about me? It isn't fair. I've had enough of this church and even though I can't sing and I want my share, can't you see me? <laughs> Some of you are laughing, but you know you've sung that song inside your mind. It isn't fair. 
But I nearly quit, didn't I, Roz, on the very process that God had me in. God was very clear. This is the process. Do not move. Do not stray. Don't go to the left. Stay in there. Hang in there. Stay in the process. Because you have to know the enemy of your souls is determined to offend you enough, to discourage you enough, to disillusion you enough, to actually do whatever he can to get you out of the position that God has you for this season. And if you quit on the process, you'll never become all that God has called you to be in Jesus' name. It is so important that you stay centered. And here's the thing. God never promised the process would be easy. He never promised it would be. In fact, it's the opposite. If you've ever watched a potter maker on YouTube, go do it. It's a really cool thing to watch. If you've watched any pottery making on YouTube, the process of being formed is actually not pleasant. Have you seen what the potter does with the clay? They get the lump of clay and next minute it's slammed on the wheel. They slip, there's no gentleness with it. It's slammed on the wheel. It's violent. It's brutal. And then the next thing that happens is the wheel spins around 100 miles an hour while the potter shapes the clay. Let me ask you a question. Have you felt like you've been slammed this year? Do you feel like there's been a season in your life this year where things have been spinning out of control? Does it feel like you've been slammed and spun? Could I suggest to you that this is the very process that God is doing his deepest work in your life? And if that isn't enough, then the clay goes into the flipping fire. But if you remain in the process, you will become what God intended you to be. Read through the Bible and see how it's so encouraging in this word, isn't it? I promise it'll get more encouraging. But read through the Bible and see how many people of God had to remain in difficult places to become the, or who God had called them to be. Watch it. Joseph had to remain in places he would rather have avoided. I'm fairly sure that he didn't want to do his stint in Potiphar's house or his two-year stint in prison. I'm pretty sure that wasn't on his agenda. Elisha had to remain in the service of Elijah. David had to remain in Paul's palace, Paul's palace, Saul's palace, and have spears thrown at him. Jesus had to remain in the desert for 40 days before his ministry began. And I really feel like the Holy Spirit is saying to some of you this tonight, remain. Let nothing move you, Paul said. There is a time for going. There's a time for moving. I get the seasons shift. But there are many times in our lives where the hardest thing we can do is simply remain in the process in Jesus' name. Um, And the bigger the vessel, the longer it must remain. (laughs) The bigger the vessel, the longer it must remain on the wheel. The bigger the calling on your life, the bigger the assignment, the bigger the process. I don't know if they tell you that in Bible college. They should. It's like, yes, give me this great calling, God, this big calling. Okay, let's going to sign up for a four-year process and probably longer. And the problem for me anyway, I'm an impatient person, the problem with remaining is it often feels like you're not making any progress. It feels so stagnant. And sometimes we get simply impatient with the process. I am one of those people that when I go to uh, airports or I travel, I am that queue jumper. You know when you go to immigration queues and you are immediately scanning what is the shortest line? And I'm going to get on that shortest line because I hate staying in queues. But because I go to places like Sri Lanka and Malaysia every year, I figure out that nothing goes fast there anyway. It's like the guy goes and has a cup of tea and comes back. It's, it's Asia. <laughs> you think I'm joking. That's what they do in Sri Lanka. It's random. And so um, sometimes we simply just get impatient with the process God has us on. But here's what you have to remember when you feel like remaining means no progress. Something is happening. Something has happened. Listen to this. While the clay stays in the center, the wheel keeps spinning and the hands keep working. While the clay remains in the center, the wheel keeps spinning and the hands keep working. And there'll be times in your life where you'll feel overlooked, misunderstood, unseen, 
dark seasons that feel like they make absolutely no sense and nothing is happening. But if you stay on the wheel, God keeps this, the, the circumstances spinning and his hands keep working. Your job is just to remain. Amen? It's something happening. And finally, I was going to say that every, every horticulturist know that when you plant a seed in the ground for it to bear fruit, it has to survive the hidden season has to stay in the soil, which is the dark, the hidden season of life. It's the process season. It's the process season. Here's the final thing that the potter would say to the clay. You going okay? Yeah. Is this helping you? The final thing the potter would say to the clay, and you know, Roz has already said it tonight. I loved it. The potter would say to the clay, stay yielded. Stay yielded. As the clay is placed on the wheel, the potter's hands begin to shape the clay, right? And here's the thing. The clay has to change. It has to change. It has to transform because it's in this point where the potter looks for bubbles and lumps and other things that are in the clay and the shaping of the clay depends on the yieldedness of the clay. In fact, the height, the width, the curvature of the vessel, all of the characteristics of the clay that's being formed happens in this process. Job 10.8 says, your hand shaped me and made me. God is doing that in your life tonight. And the more yielded you are internally to God and the Holy Spirit, the more God will shape your life into the person you are becoming. Well, let me put it this way. The more you surrender to God in every season, the more you'll actually become the shape that God always intended for your life because he is far better at creating your life than you are far better. I would far much rather trust the potter's hands to create something great in my life than to trust my own hands and think I can create something better. Listen, God is a far better pottery maker than you are and he will do something wonderful in your life. Have you ever wondered why there are some people in church and the kingdom of God who remain year after year? They remain, but they never take the shape that God created them to take. Have you ever wondered that you can be Never seem to become all that God has called you to be, but you still remain. And I would suggest that one of the reasons could be that they've never actually internally yielded and actually really surrendered to the process. Some of you are thinking, I don't know what you're talking about. Let, let, me, give you, let me give you an example. Because I think sometimes the potter places his hand on areas of our lives, but we resist him. It's like, no, God, I don't want to go and apologize to that person. <laughs> no, I, I don't want to give up my right to being offended. No one in this church, of course. Um, no, I can't surrender my need to understand why that happened. That's a big one. I can't give up. No, I need an answer, God. I need to know why. Why did that happen? And the more you let go of those internal wrestles and questions, that's what it is to surrender to God internally and say, God, I don't understand right now. It's not fair. It was awful. It doesn't make any sense. But, but in my heart of hearts, Lord, I just yield to you. I yield to you. It's just helping you, church. Um, I want the band to come back up and join me. And I'm right on time. How good is that? Can you just pass me that looking stuff? Here's the thing. This is what you have to know. I have props, Roz. You'll be proud of me. Yeah, it's the right. It's Amy's bag. It's my wife's bag, British flag. Know this. Yieldedness accelerates the shaping. Yieldedness accelerates the shaping. In fact, the quicker some of you yield tonight, the quicker you'll come through the season you're resisting God in. 
It's true. Um, because when you resist God, right, and I've done it and I've been there and we've all been there in seasons of our life, you only, prolong the, you only prolong the season. I've come to understand that some difficult seasons, not all, but some difficult seasons actually don't have to last as long as what you think they do. Some of us keep ourselves in a wilderness season far longer than what we should. And God's just waiting for you to yield. He's waiting for you to surrender and give up your right to be in control of your life. In fact, I remember coming to a point in that difficult season that I spoke about earlier. And there's a whole bunch of stuff I could share about that. And, you know, but there, were, there came a point where um, I did yield. I remember it was very clear. It was a, a supernatural moment with God. He spoke to me from a verse of Scripture. And I chose to surrender to God in that moment. I, I gave up my right to feel offended and all of the different things that I felt in that moment. And do you know what happened? Because I was thinking, I was talking to Amy about this on Saturday night as I was remembering this. Within six to 12 months of surrendering to God in the process where I just said, God, I let go. If I never do what I, what's in my heart to do again, you are enough. Your love was enough. God, you've saved me and you've rescued me from sin. And I'm going to heaven. If I, if I never do what's in my heart to do, um, you're still enough. There was a surrender moment that I came to. You know, within six to 12 months of that decision in my heart, everything changed for my destiny. Random things happen. We get a phone call from the Central Coast. God begins to speak to Pastor Mark. Um, the phone call came to step down to the Central Coast, and I have no doubt that God was waiting for the surrender. He was waiting for the yieldedness. Because now... Because now as I come down, I realize that in my life, um, for God to do what he wants to do in my life next, it's going to require greater levels of surrender. I have to get out of the way because it's not about me and it's not about you. Because here's the thing, I want to just open some vessels up. Here's the thing about some vessels. I know they're bad, but I couldn't, as in they're not great examples. I just brought two pots tonight. Um, one small one, one large one. I wanted to bring a coffee cup because I'm a coffee snob, but anyway. Uh, two, two vessels, right? Two different sizes, different dimensions, different purposes. But all of, both these vessels, right, were all at some point tender, scented, and yielded. They were all tender, scented, and yielded. And now they have become what the original potter had intended for them to become. And although they might be designed to carry different things, they are still designed to be filled up and poured out. And what God wants to do in and through your life is actually not about you. It's about you taking the shape in your unique way. It's a message in itself that you would be uniquely created the way God wanted you to be created so that you could be filled up with His Spirit, filled up with His glory, filled up with His grace, and you could pour out onto an empty, dying, hurt, broken world. But it all starts with staying tender, staying centered, and staying yielded. So I ask you tonight, what's missing? What's missing in your life? Be honest with your heart, not with me. Be honest with God's eyes. Is there something missing? Is there tenderness missing? As you close your eyes, let's just close your eyes. We're at that point where we're going to come to a response, but... I want you just to have a moment with God and ask Him the question, is there something missing out of those three things? Is it tenderness? Is it centeredness? Or is it yieldedness? And tonight I want to pray for some people. Uh, I felt it strong as I was praying this afternoon 
And I'm not sure whether this is a come down the front or stand up in your seat. I, I don't really know. I, I just want God to move and touch a specific group of people tonight. The people that I want to pray for are people in this room who feel a very strong calling of God on their life. Doesn't have to be a ministry calling, just a calling to do something really significant in the kingdom of God. But right now you are in a process that feels incredibly difficult. Things feel like they're spinning out of control. You feel hidden. You want to quit the process. If that's you tonight, I want you just to stand where you are. I want want to declare and pray over you. Yeah, yeah, there's people standing up all over the room. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. It's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Just to leave you where you are. Just have this moment. Yeah. The calling of God has not been taken away. Remember I said that the bigger the vessel, the longer it has to remain. Yeah. The calling of God is never removed from our lives. It's irrevocable. The grace of God doesn't just remove a calling. And this is the word I had for this group of people tonight. I want you to receive this word into your heart when it feels hard. Because this week is going to be moments. I can't promise you that I'm going to pray a prayer and it'll feel easy this week. But I want you to remember this specific word that God gave me to, to speak into your life. It says in Isaiah 64 verse 8, Yet you, Lord, are our Father. You are our Father. We are the clay. You are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. Not just a potter, but our Father. You have to know tonight that the potter is not some random cosmic entity who is absent and void of the process. No, no. He is a loving Father. And He is processing you, and He is working in you, and He is shaping you, and He is molding you. And when you can't understand the process, you can trust a good Father's hands. Because those nail-scarred hands are the safest hands for any human being to give their life to tonight. It is a father. He is a good father. He has not forgotten you. He has not abandoned you. He has not given up on you. You are in a process. And God says, remain. Remain in the process. Remain in the process in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. We hope you have enjoyed this message. For more information, please visit macroylifechurch.com.au. Thank you for listening. We hope you have enjoyed this message. For more information, please visit macroylifechurch.com.au.